I'm reading today from the book of John, chapter number 15. If you have your Bible, you can just remain seated and turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. A couple of Sundays ago, I was preaching on the first Sunday of the month of July, and I felt the Lord uh, deal with me to try to instruct our church in reset. Now, how many of you remember when Pastor preached on reset a couple of Sundays ago? Uh, the middle of a year is a time when it's good to reset. It's good to recalibrate. It's good to ask ourselves some hard questions. How are we doing in our walk with God? Not in a demeaning sort of bondage way, but just uh, to every once in a while take a look at ourselves and, uh, and look at ourselves through the lens of Scripture. And what does the Word say? How, do I, how am I living after the, the way of the Lord? And uh, I feel to just continue into that vein today, and uh, I pray the Lord's word will help us. I'm in John chapter 15 and verse number 5. Now, you will notice if you have a red letter edition Bible, and I'm not going to just assume you know what that means, but if you have a Bible and you're in John 15 and all the letters of John 15, or most of them, are red, that means they are the words of Jesus Christ himself. And uh, it's what the ones that printed the Bible did to kind of differentiate between what someone else is saying and what Jesus is declaring himself. And so these are words in red. They're from Jesus. And look with me. We'll kind of jump right into the middle of a passage. But it's where I will use uh, the scripture as a text this morning. Jesus said in John 15 and verse number 5, I am the vine. Everyone say the vine. You are the branches. Everyone say, that's me. <clears throat> he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, they've got that on the screen, and I would like you to read it out loud with me again. Would you do that? Let's read from the scripture. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Let me ask a question this morning and it's just a simple question. What is the amount of money that you think would qualify you as being rich. Now, that would be varied across this auditorium today. There are some that would say right now, if I had $10,000, I would be rich. Yeah, I would be rich. How many of you, by the way, could handle a little injection of ten grand in your checking account right now? Well, there's six honest people in the room. That's good. There are other people that would say $100,000. If I had $100,000, I would consider myself rich. If I had another 401k plan, pastor, a million dollars is my mark. If I had a million dollars, I would be rich. And then there are some that are sitting here right now, and you're probably thinking, well, pastor, why are you talking about that? I am rich right now. We'll go out and you'll buy lunch today. How about that? I want to talk to us for a few minutes on this Sunday morning and simply entitle this message, How to Be Rich. How to Be Rich. Would you look at someone and say, Pastor's going to tell us how to be rich. 
now that I've adequately got your attention. Assumptions can be sometimes the things that get us in the most trouble. My family and I, several years ago, took a trip to New York City. And uh, how many have been to New York City before? Great city, largest city in America. And there's so much to see at New York, Broadway and Times Square and just, uh, you know, the Liberty Tower, all the stuff that, that is New York. And I travel all the time, and so I feel like I'm pretty street smart. That's not meant to brag. It's just after you traveled a while, you learn a few things. And that's why what I'm fixing to tell you just griped me to no end. Stacy and I and Madison and Landon were in the subway in New York City. And we were... Uh, in the subway on a, a, a certain morning, so it was, we had the whole day that we were going to go to different things and see different sites in New York City. And so we're standing at a kiosk, a machine that sells subway tickets. And they had single ride tickets, and then they had all day passes. And so we, being the non-New Yorkers, are standing at the kiosk examining the board and looking at it and trying to decide, and it was collective. We thought, well, the best bet and the best buy here is to get an all-day pass. That way you just swipe it when you want to get on the subway, you take it where you want to go, you swipe it, you can do it all the way till midnight or after if you want to. We felt that was the best, best thing. And right before we started hitting buttons, we noticed that next to where it was explaining about the tickets, the screen was blank. There were no electronics flashing. And I looked at Stacy and I said, this is horrible. We've come to buy tickets and this thing's not even working. At the same time, I looked through a gate in the subway station and there was a man walking toward us. He was on the other side of a locked gate. He was walking toward us, plain clothes, didn't have a uniform on. But have you ever seen those people that carry, I think, Brother John, you have one of these on your belt, one of those key things that has like 43 or 50 or 60 keys on it. Now, Brother John doesn't have that many, but uh, like the key police, you know. This guy had a, a big wad of keys on his belt, and he pulled out one of the keys and stuck it in the gate on the other side from where we were. You get the picture? Unlocked it, walked through the gate. Now he's on the side we're on. And we're just a matter of a few feet from him. And he looks at us and he says, can I help you all with something? I said, well, as a matter of fact, you can. I said, I noticed that this kiosk, there's no lights flashing. It, it seems to be out of order. He goes, oh yeah, that thing's out of order all the time. He says, what are you needing? I said, well, we're actually wanting all day subway passes. He said, I can help you out. Now here's where it just gripes me. He reached in his pocket and pulled out four passes. Said, here they are, right here. You need four all-day passes? I got four all-day passes. And I blanked out. My brain was removed from my head at the moment. I said to him, well, that, that's awesome. I appreciate the help, buddy. And he said, that's 24 bucks a piece or whatever it was. And so I just start shelling out money. I reach in my pocket and I start shelling out money. I got money in front of a guy in New York City that I don't know that doesn't have a uniform on, but he's got a key. And I start shelling out money. 
I counted over however much it was, 95, 100 bucks, whatever it was. I gave him my well-earned money. He handed me my four all-day passes. And as quick as he did that, he was gone. He was like the phantom. It was like he vanished in thin air. He just went around the corner and he was gone. I said, we got it, let's go. We went up to the turnstile where you take that little card and swipe it. And I started swiping. And I'm gonna tell you, not just one of them didn't work, none of them worked. I, I had assumed, I'll get you later, John. I had assumed that the guy with the key on the other side of the gate was legit. He was a subway worker. What I didn't realize is my assumption was tragically wrong. I asked people, and I tried to reason with my family. I said, can you believe we just got took in New York City? Probably five minutes after that, while I'm standing there just feeling just exposed to the whole world for, for how foolish I had been, an actual subway worker shows up. He has the full uniform on. He goes through a door into the actual booth where you buy the tickets. And I walk up to the glass and I said, sir, I've got a question for you. I just bought these tickets from a guy right over there and they don't work. He said, was it one of our workers? I said, well, he had a key. <laughs> Did he have a uniform on? No. And when I said that, he just looked through that glass and just shook his head. Assumptions can be very, very dangerous. An assumption is a thing that is accepted as true or as certain to happen without proof. Now, I'm making some assumptions this morning. It is my assumption that every person here is at least open to becoming more like Jesus. That is my assumption. The pace at which this will happen, it's going to be varied dramatically based on personal decisions from the people in this room right now. The desire to pursue Jesus Christ, again, this will be wildly different one person to the next. Some will be very skeptical until proven otherwise. Others are the kind of temperament that you'll jump in with both feet very, very quickly. But let me preach this morning. Whether we are here today due to a decided connection to this local church, or maybe we are here today on an invitation from someone at our job or our family. Or maybe you're here out of curiosity. You drove by, you saw the church, you saw the new building, you said, I'm going to check that out. Or maybe you are here accidentally. And by the way, we've had that happen here a time or two. My assumption is that all of us want to be like Jesus in some form or fashion. And so the question must be asked this morning, how does this metamorphosis, if you will, happen into becoming like Jesus? 
Do you hang around long enough at a church and it just gets up all on you? Is it mystical? Is it magical? Is it quick? Is it permanent? Does it stick? Is it, is it something that will hurt? Is it noticeable? Or maybe it's a little more ethereal. And yet the scriptures themselves teach us how this thing happens. The scriptures themselves, the words of Jesus himself, teach us how we can become like him. He declared it clearly in the first verse of this 15th chapter when he said, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. I want to give you a truth that I think we cannot miss at the beginning of this sermon on this Sunday morning. Jesus Christ is the truest and purest example of man connected to God. I want to say that again. Jesus Christ is the truest and purest example of man connected to God. Let me give you Bible for this. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit, seen by angels. God was preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Paul told the Corinthian church in his second letter, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It is called the incarnate Christ, the eternal spirit embodied in flesh. May I say it like this? Jesus was the God-man. He was man, yes, but he was also God. God manifested in flesh. In the book of John, chapter 5, the Jews are wanting to kill Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath day, and they also were wanting to kill him because he said that God was his father. The 19th verse of that chapter declares, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son, the flesh, can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do, spirit. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Jesus Christ was the purest example of man connected to God. And I'm here to preach today that our success in living for God is to become so connected to God that we hear his whisper in the night. We know his voice. He moves and we move with him to become so connected to God that when he shouts, we're there. And when he whispers, we're there. And when he says, go, we go. Oh, that's my desire today. I want to be so connected to him. In order to understand how that happens, we look and we examine the life of Jesus Christ. He was the purest form of this. There's another truth embedded in this passage, and that is this. Our potential to be like Jesus is determined by our decision to stay connected to Jesus. Now, that's so good. I'm going to read that. You can read that on the screen. But our potential to be like Jesus is directly determined by my decision to stay connected to Jesus. 
Praise God. Now, I want you just to understand the, the audience to whom I preach today. There are people that are brand new in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And to you, we say, welcome to the family. There are people under the sound of my voice this morning that have lived for the Lord longer than I've been me. We say thank you for your steadfastness. There are people that are kind of examining the claims of Jesus Christ, wondering, could he work for me like he works for the people down the row from me? Could he really touch my life and deliver me like I've seen him deliver and testimonies have been given and celebrate recovery about others that have been delivered? I wonder if this could happen for me. Can I tell you something? There is no lottery when it comes to success and living for God. There's no lucky number when it comes to living for God successfully. There's no person that has a right last name or they give the most money or they position themselves and kind of get in with the status group of the day. My potential to be like my Savior, Jesus Christ, is directly affected by my decision. Everybody say, it's my decision. Come on, it's my decision to stay connected to Jesus. It's my, the greatest altar call I could ever give today is when we walk out of this house and it's what we do on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and Thursday. And when I stay connected to him, I absolutely exponentially make my success more possible. Because he is the vine. And we are the branches. It's interesting that he uses, Jesus uses this agricultural example to show us how necessary it is to stay connected. Now, I'm, I may touch on this next week, should the Lord allow me to preach a little more on this passage, but if I was to take, if I was to go out, in fact, I was walking in the church early this morning, and there was a little branch laying up by the front door, and so I decided to kind of take it and throw it so it wouldn't just look bad, people coming in for church. I took that branch today and I set it up on this pulpit. I could talk sweet to that branch. I could say, you're a pretty branch. Mm, you must have really been pretty when you had fruit on it. Come on, baby, you can make it. Come on, grow. Get, get large. Blossom. But I cannot talk a separated branch into growing. I can't talk a branch that's been disconnected from a life-giving tree into becoming anything more than what it is right there. Can I tell you something, folks? There, I, I want to make sure we get this today. My decision to connect, my decision to stay connected to Jesus, my decision to say, you know what, this is more than a habit. It's more than a Sunday morning thing that I do once a month. This is more than just showing up on a roll somewhere or giving an offering in a church. But you and I plugging in, you and I staying connected to the vine, you and I getting up on Monday morning and and saying, Lord, what are you saying to us today? What are you speaking to me today? You talk about setting ourselves up for success. And I, I will just be direct today. 
I think why some people have such a difficulty in this and you beat yourself up and you go home and you say, man, that was a good sermon. I wish I could live that out, but I can't live. It's not because you're a bad person. You got to get connected. Because staying connected to Jesus determines our potential in being like Jesus. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Now look at someone around you and say, there's another big truth you got to get today. By the way, everybody okay right now? Here it is. The goal for everybody in this room is the same. You ready? Fruit. That's good preaching, Pastor. You go right ahead and preach. What's the goal? The goal for every person in this church. Well, I'll tell you, Pastor, what the goal is, is I just get so tanked up with Jesus that I get up on that platform someday and I preach like my britches are on fire like you do. And that will be the real proof that I am a man of God. The Hebrew word for that is fooey. What the Lord desires of all of us, every person that's new to Jesus Christ in this room, every person that has served the Lord for 60 years, the goal is the same. Bring forth fruit. And what you bring forth is probably going to look different than what I bring forth. But the goal is, are we bringing forth fruit? Are we connected at the point of Jesus Christ where his life-giving power flows through us and we start thinking different than we used to think? And we don't think through a carnal mindset anymore, but we think through a Jesus mindset. Are we connected to where our decision-making is like Jesus? Our walk and our talk and our attitude is like Jesus. That's when you know success is happening. It brings forth fruit. Fruit is the natural byproduct of connectedness. My mom and dad took my brother and I and my sister on a a trip when we were kids to an apple orchard over in Indiana. And it was like an annual trip that we would take. I think that added actually to my love for donuts because they had apple donuts at this place where we went. They had cider and all sorts, apple everything. And we would go over and you actually could get ladders and get up and pick your own apples. They had big old baskets and you could pick your apples and put them in the basket and take them in. They'd weigh them, you'd buy them, you'd go home and make pies and things like that. But you know what, on all the, all the years, Zach, that we would go over and pick apples... I never one time got up on that ladder right up in the middle of that tree with all those apples hanging on there and heard that tree going. I know that's a little bizarre, but. Because a tree that is healthy does not strain to make fruit. 
A branch that is connected naturally makes fruit. It's when there's disease in a branch or there's disease in the trunk that fruit doesn't come. But as long as there's a healthy connection, fruit will happen. Whew. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You don't have to strain to be a child of God. You don't have to come in here and grit your teeth and get on the back row and rock back and forth and hope that maybe your, your penance will bring you into a new level of living for God. I'm not preaching easy living. I'm preaching about connected living. If you and I can get up, somebody hear this preacher right now. If you and I can get up on a Thursday morning and grab a cup of coffee and sit in our living room and open up the word of the Lord, you can be as close to him in that moment as you are in this altar. It brings forth fruit these scribes the Pharisees they were the religious leaders of the day and they came to Jesus it's talked about in Matthew chapter 15 and here's what they said then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem saying why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders for they wash not their hands when they eat bread now, I know on the surface, you and I, in 2021, we may read that and think, man, how strange. And you know what? I agree. They're griping about the disciples not washing their hands before they eat. But they identify that as the tradition of elders. Now, the Pharisees believed that when Moses went up on the mount, to Mount Sinai, and he was given the, the commandments of the Lord. They believed, the Pharisees believed there was a second set of laws that were handed down. One that was not recorded, but they were verbally and orally communicated from father to son down through the generations. And the hand-washing rule, if you will, came from that set of laws. And so Jesus responds to them. And here's what he says in the 16th verse of Matthew chapter 15. So Jesus said, are you still without understanding? Now that's a nice New King James way of saying, do you still not get it? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Listen, New Life, the greater truth embedded in this discourse that they had with Jesus Christ, the Pharisees and his disciples, is this. What comes in the heart will bring forth visible results. If I connect to a bunch of junk, it ought not to surprise me when I think wrong thoughts. If I connect to worldliness, sinfulness, if I laugh at the, 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 the things that Hollywood pumps in, and say, oh, it just doesn't have a lot of language or it's not too violent. If I connect to that long enough, Jesus said it's what comes out of you that defiles you. 
This is why it is so important that I allow a connection to be in my life, but not to worldliness, not to sinfulness, not to selfishness, not to lust, not to pride, but a connection to Jesus Christ. Because, folks, something's going to come out of us. I want it to be holiness. I want it to be righteousness. I want it to be godliness. I want my speech to be right. I want my walk to be right. I want my attitude to be right. But that only comes through connectedness and the fruit that it brings. Is this making sense to somebody? Amen. Let me give you another truth before I finish today. There is a powerful truth, and that is this. The key to connectedness with God is in abiding. Abiding. Jesus said it. It's there in John chapter 15 and verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch, everybody say, that's us. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. That's Jesus. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The key to being connected to God is in abiding. Let me just say it like this. To be able to produce godly fruit in my life, for you to produce godly fruit in your life, is not in our own power. You come and you say, Pastor, I can't be holy. Oh, I'm so thankful you got there. I can't be godly. Oh, thank the Lord we finally got that. I can't live righteously. Oh, thank, thank you, Lord, that we finally understand that. We can't do it in our own ability. At our greatest moment, at our most powerful moment, by ourselves, we cannot be holy. We cannot, our righteousness, the scripture says, is like filthy rags laying in the garage somewhere. That's why when we feel weak, we got to cling to the old rugged cross. Because it's not in us to be righteous. It's not in me. But it is in connectedness that comes through abiding. So that is an interesting word, abiding. What does that mean? That sounds kind of spiritual. I'm going to abide in him. Woo. How you doing? I'm abiding in Jesus. I'm abiding and residing. I've heard people say, and maybe you have too, they'll be talking about someone. And just, just quickly raise your hand and put it down if you've ever heard this before. You've heard someone say, oh, so-and-so, they're not in church anymore. How many of you ever heard somebody say that? Yeah. Or him, her, they got out of church. Now, some think that abiding means, or rather getting out of church means they quit coming faithfully to church services. And there's an element of truth to that. Or they think that someone who's not in church anymore, they started making lifestyle choices that are contrary to what the Bible teaches. And there's some truth to that too. Oh, you know, so-and-so, they're not in church anymore. 
they're kind of justifying their actions as their personal choice. And there's, a, there's an element of truth in that too. But abiding, according to the scripture, simply means remaining. Continuing to be present. Surviving. Enduring. I want to show you something in your Bible. Would you turn to Matthew chapter 10? And I'm just about done, but I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 10. This is the first time in the New Testament that the word abide is mentioned. And remember, understand for those of you that are new to examining scripture, maybe those of you watching online, it's important to understand when the New Testament was written, it was originally written in the Greek language, so sometimes it's good when you're studying to go back and see what that word really means. We have a Western mindset of what abiding means, but what does it mean? This is the first time in the New Testament that the word abide in the original language is used. It's Matthew chapter 10 and Jesus is speaking and sending his disciples forth to do ministry. And here's what he says, verse 11. Whatever city or town you enter, inquire in it, inquire rather who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. Now, I won't go through this whole passage, but Jesus is teaching when you walk into a city, I'm sending you forth to do ministry. And when you walk into a city, if you find someone that accepts you into their home and has hospitality, park it right there. Stay there. Remain there. Have you ever had anybody come to your house and they just wouldn't leave? Don't point. That would be embarrassing. But Jesus says, when you go into that city, if you find them favorable to your arrival, stay there. Remain there. Park it there. Because it's from that place that you're going to set up your ministry. So let me say to everybody before I finish this sermon today, the things that God is showing us in his word, stay there. The challenging convictions that God is calling us to when we read his word, remain right there. The environment of worship that God has led us into on this Sunday morning, stay right here. Why? Because there is a blessing in abiding with Jesus. There is a blessing in staying with Jesus. There is a great blessing that comes when the ship is battered, but the occupants don't bail. We just say, I'm in it, I'm staying, I'm enduring, I'm remaining, I'm gonna learn what it is to walk with Jesus. It's when you and I jump ship, it's when you and I, the, 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 it gets tough and we say, well, God must not be for us, when rather he might be wanting to teach us something in that moment. He might want to put a little tough skin on us in that moment. Why? He's teaching us the, the benefit of abiding with him. Praise God. And Jesus said it clearly. We can do nothing when we are not abiding in him. The inference here is we can do nothing when we are disconnected from him. 
I'm going to ask our musicians to come. They can come and play behind me if they would. Jesus made an interesting analogy with something that you and I probably will use in the next 45 minutes. Because probably you're going to go to lunch. Or probably you have lunch cooking at home. And the only thing standing between you and the crock pot is the guy with the lapel mic on right now. But probably, and I'm making a generalization here, there will come a time in the lunch that you and I eat in a few minutes, and you're going to remember this when you do this. Someone's going to look at someone around the table and say this. Could you pass the salt over here? Or you're going to reach and grab that salt shaker. Those green beans need a little more salt. That enchilada needs a little seasoning. I better stop. I'm getting hungry right now. <laughs> but Jesus said this in Matthew 5. He said, you're the salt of the earth. How many have ever read that before? But if the salt loses its flavor, how are you going to season salt? It's a seasoning. It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You see, brothers and sisters and those of you that are new to our church, those of you watching online right now, when I lose my connectedness to Jesus, I lose my purpose in life. This is why, maybe this will hit somebody, this is why nothing seems to make sense when you walk away from Jesus. Pastor, yeah, you're reading my mail right now. I used to serve him. I used to be red hot. I used to be a worshiper. I used to be a giver. I used to be faithful. But it seems like ever since I stopped, life seems to be disconnected. There's a reason for that. Because you not only were disconnected, you lost your purpose. Our purpose is not to exist. Our purpose is to bring forth fruit. To abide in the purpose that God has for our life. I want to say it again, sir. You have a purpose that is far greater. I thank God for your job. But it's far greater than making money on your job. You have a purpose to be an ambassador for Christ, a soul winner, a disciple maker, a person of influence. And that only comes when we abide. I want you to stand with me if you would, please. Amen. There is a verse of scripture in this chapter that has always bugged me. And I'm going to finish this message by telling you what verse has always bugged me. How's that for a setup? It's in the seventh verse 
And Jesus says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That always has bugged me. Because I know a lot of people that have asked for what they desire and they haven't got exactly that. I'm just being honest with you. I'm going to kind of verbalize what some people say and think. Maybe they don't say it, but they, and the preacher's just going to say it. I wanted this, but I haven't got that. But it wasn't until just recently that the Lord brought me back to that verse and said, Tim, you're good at reading the second half of the verse, but you got to read the first half of the verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Jesus is not teaching that is just kind of a blank slate in the second half of that verse. Ask for the Cadillac. Ask for the million-dollar home. I used to think that that was separate from the first part of the verse. But how many of you have lived for God long enough? I think I may have a witness in this house. That when you abide in him, the Bible says he will give you the desires of your heart. <clears throat> Has anybody ever seen that before? Even that verse doesn't mean he's going to give you whatever you desire. He's actually going to give you what you desire after. How many of you saw that right there? How many of you, that just resonated with you right there? I don't know what I need to desire after to be an ambassador for Christ, but he does. And if I stay connected to him, he's going to put the desire in me. He's going to put the want inside of me. And I'm going to be able to ask him more in line with his purpose for my life. Is someone hearing that right now? Is someone resonating with that right now? This is not a free-for-all. This is not you-win-the-summer-home kind of thing. It's this connectedness that produces his desires in my life. And he said, when you ask according to that, you're asking according to the will of God because I'm giving you those desires. And you'll get them because you're going to get my will. Praise God. Here's the thing. The reason why I called this How to Be Rich because God didn't call us to get by, folks. He called us to abundant life. He called us to a richness in life that goes far beyond merely existing. So here, let's do this before we leave. If you're here and you just want to respond in prayer and come, let's gather together for prayer around the front of this sanctuary. Would you come as a church family right now? We'll pray together and then we'll go get that pot roast, all right? Come on, come on. As a church family, let's come. Let's come. You don't have to be a member at New Life to respond right now. Just come, and we're going to pray together as a church family. Praise God. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Amen. I want to put a shameless plug in for next Sunday. Don't miss next Sunday. I'm going to preach next Sunday about what, why is it and what happens when the Lord seems to bring things into our lives that hurt us. Is he some bully wanting to ruin our lives? Or maybe, maybe there's something he has in mind. 
And I'll just tell you right now, I'm going to steal from next Sunday's sermon and tell you, listen, the longer I serve the Lord, brother Shirley, the more I realize God always acts with redemption in mind. I, I just want to go with what I feel. There's people here that nothing has worked out well for you lately. Maybe God is trying to get your attention because he has something redemptive in mind in your life. Maybe he's allowed some things to happen to go, wait a second, I need to get back to the foot of the altar. I need to get connected again. I need to be in line again with God's purpose. And sometimes God always acts redemptively. He always acts redemptively. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, I feel your presence. I thank you for this great church. Praise God. Lord, I've done my best today to preach what you put in my spirit, God, and I pray that you will seal this word right now with the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, I ask that your presence would abide with us, that you will help us all, men, women, young people, children, God, every one of us, make a decision to stay connected to Jesus. God, that's going to have limitless, boundless potential in our life for growth. I pray, Lord, that you will allow not some mystical, magical fruit that will appear, but natural fruit that will appear when we are connected to you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would help us to investigate you, Lord Jesus, this week to discover what you did, how you acted, how you reacted, Lord, and we will stay connected to you, Lord. So we will find our great purpose in this world. I thank you. I give you glory. I speak your blessing over this church congregation. I speak your blessing over every person watching this online broadcast right now. I pray, Lord, that the hand of God and the grace of God will be upon us. I pray, Lord, that you will not only physically protect us, but you will spiritually undergird your people this week, Lord. I pray this will be a week of growth and strength and power, Lord, in our lives. Let, let new believers, Lord, begin to see marks of fruit that are happening in their life. And Lord, that will encourage us to keep going. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name, may the blessing of the Lord, New Life Church, be upon you today. May the Lord make his face shine upon you this week. And we receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want Brother Jason and Sister Courtney to sing this song as we're leaving today. Let's just entertain his presence and worship for a moment longer. Whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord. Oh, that's what I'll be again whatever it takes sing it out oh whatever it takes to draw closer what a great song that is come on sing it out oh that's what that's what i'll be willing 
that's what I'll be willing to do. Oh, the Spirit of the Lord is helping us right now. God's calling us. Oh, I'll trade sunshine, sunshine for rain, comfort for pain. Oh, that's what, that's what I'll be willing to do. Oh, and whatever. That's what I'll be willing to do. Let's leave this house encouraged today. Amen? Let's leave this house with a decided intention to stay connected to Jesus Christ. New life, the altar call starts right now. Let's walk it out this week in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. May the Lord bless you. You're dismissed whenever you should feel to. Thank you for coming. Thank you, those of you that have been watching online. We appreciate it. Let's have a great week. Full slate of ministries on Wednesday night. Don't forget, it's going to be a great midweek. May the Lord bless you.